special episode we were going to do the um um special the three-part series on uh on god spirits and ancestors um but we were woefully unprepared um we just had a lot of different things going on um just yeah it, it just didn't work out but thankfully uh, we made some friends over at around grandfather fire who wanted to do a uh, um uh, kind of a double podcast super show type of thing um, where we kind of interviewed each well they mainly interviewed us but we talked to each other hung out and it made a great uh, podcast for their show and and for us as well um, yeah so we were just horribly unprepared for the episode we were going to do today but you know what the show must go on and, and, it, and it worked out this time so uh, thank goodness for that um well, I know that Brad O'Gara is working on a second podcast that is non-spiritual, pagan-related, as far as I'm aware. Um, and uh, I've uh, decided to start taking on uh, commissions for art projects and uh, and idols that I make. I'm just, I decided to start selling them because my fiancé had the brilliant idea of using that money and saving up to buy a forge. Um, which never dawned on me until now because you know I've been I've made a few idols for some friends and didn't charge them anything and um, yeah I finally realized I could be making a little bit of money and saving up to to buy a fort so I can start making stuff out of metal which is something I've been wanting to do for quite a while now um, so with all that said uh, something I need to reiterate because a little a little bit of confusion came up uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, Gallcast is its own entity. Um, we are our own thing. We are not uh, like a branch of or part of any um, Gaulish, you know, traditional organization. Um, we are supporting the, the Gaulish community and talking about news and updates from these different groups, but uh, we are we are our own thing. Um, you know, Renegar and myself, we are part of Tata Galation. We are part of uh, Bessus Neil Galation or BNG. Um, and, uh, you know, from time to time, we're definitely going to support uh, Sentinel Bessus Bullgun. Uh, and um, I know there's a couple other traditions that are slowly being built. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to announce their presence yet or not, but they are in the works. And, and you know, that's good. That's good. That's good for the Gauls community to have these different groups with different focuses. I, th- I think it's a good thing. Um, so we did get a little bit of feedback from the last episode about uh, us possibly doing a YouTube channel. Um, and that's something I definitely want to start doing a little bit of. Um, and uh, so far, feedback is very positive that uh, a YouTube channel would be good. It would basically just be uh, putting podcast episodes on there. I want to do some um, fun, funny, kind of um, humorous type of, but also very uh, 
educational videos on there. Um, but we'll see what happens. And it's something that I definitely want to start working on here at some point. I just have to squeeze it into the very tight schedule I have because I have all of, you know, I have the podcast, I have my WordPress, I now have my commission site, um, and just all these little things I have to fit in on top of being a, a father and a, and a partner <laughs> that I need to give equal, if not more time to. Um, but you know, you know, all good things in time. Um, but that's something that we're definitely going to work on. Uh, Brian Agarra are probably the one working on those mainly because they have more um, more uh, experience with video editing um, than I do. But it's something I'm not willing to I'm not I'm, I'm willing to learn. Um, but you know, like I said, all good things in time. I'm, I'm starting to ramble. It's uh, getting pretty late my time when I'm recording this. Um, so yes, uh, around Grandfather Fire, a great group of folks. Uh, I didn't know about their podcast until uh, Sarah Odinson reached out to me on Twitter and invited us on the show. Um, I immediately went over on their uh, on, on their deal on, deal on Spotify and started listening to a couple episodes. Great stuff, um, great casual conversation, very much like what Brenna Gar and I do. Um, but it, there's three of them just rather than two, and it's just a lot of fun. They they crack jokes, they they talk uh, spirituality, they talk uh, politics at times. It's it's just it, it's a lot of fun, and I was very honored to be on that show with them. Um, so without further ado, uh, here is the Gallcast around Grandfather Fire Super Show. Enjoy. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the joint episode of Around Grandfather Fire and the Gall Cast. I am Jim Two Snakes. I am a Peruvian shamanic practitioner and uh, have been a metaphysical practitioner for about 30 years. And I'm here with my co-hosts. For some of you who haven't met them, this is Serenth Odinson. Serenth. Hey, folks. I'm Serenth Odinson. I am a heathen spirit worker, Gothi of Minas Brunner Kindred. I'm an author of Calling to Our Ancestors. I run a blog, saranth.wordpress.com. You can find my work on patreon.com backslash Serenth Odinson. I am also a part of Three Pagans on Tap, which is a video series where we explore alcoholic drinks and occasionally the mocktails and how they relate to our spiritual lives. And my other co-host, Caitlin Stormbreaker. I guess that's me. Um, my name is Caitlin Stormbreaker. I consider myself to be a jack of all trades when it comes to spirituality. Um, I am a trained Peruvian shaman underneath uh, Jim Two Snakes as my current slash former teacher, question mark. Um, I've also had some training <laughs> in <laughs> yogic philosophy and therapy. Um, I follow Norse heathen path as well as um, smatterings of some Native American philosophy in there as well, as well as Buddhism, Hinduism, and I mean, you pretty much name it. I've studied it. And Several other isms. Yeah, it put all the isms in there and you got me. Um, <laughs> I do have a blog that I haven't posted anything to in... Uh, well, like two months now, but that is somewhere around here, and I forgot what it was, but it'll be in the show notes, I'm sure. Um, show notes. Yeah, that's me. I've had a rough few weeks, so I apologize to anybody who's meeting me today. <laughs> and to the Gullcast, um, I'll let you guys introduce yourselves. Really quick, it is yeah. 
stormpaco.home.blog. S T O R M P A Q O.home.blog. And that's why we're friends, Sarenth. I love you dearly. <laughs> I love you too. All right. Call right. Take it away. Well, uh, I'm I am. <clears throat> you want to go first? Oh, sure, sure. Um, I'm Arakaros Terraniknos. Uh, I am a Gaulish polytheist, uh, a Norse and continental heathen. Um, we, uh, Brennigar and myself, run the Gallcast podcast. I have a uh, WordPress where I do reconstruction on um, Gaulish, specifically Helvetian and other Alpine uh, tribes, including Germanic and Raetian uh, traditions and cultures called uh, uh, the Helvetian Nameton at WordPress.wordpress.com. Um, yeah, uh, I, I'm just constantly working on Gaulish and uh, continental heathen stuff. And hello, I'm Branagara Mori Maggi. Uh, I am a Gaulish polytheist. I've been a polytheist for about 20 years. Uh, and I am also a Druid aspirant. I am uh, right at the beginning of following my Druidic path. Uh, and I do also have a blog site that I occasionally post some things to, uh, and it is arieldefeat.com. <laughs> and as well as we have the Gallcast website, which is just gallcast.com. I'm less exciting. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I skipped all over my socials and my Patreon and stuff as well. Show notes, people. Show notes. You can go. Oh. I'm there. <laughs> there is so much I forgot to mention for mine. <laughs> So, Arthur, I, I have a very pertinent and important question to begin this process with. Are you ready? Go for it. All right. My question for Arthur is, I know from your episode that you have a background with wrestling trivia. Kenny Omega or Moxley, who's winning tonight? Oh, <laughs> you can you can cuss it, it is well allowed on this podcast i don't know yes, about your we are rated explicit oh, on ours too. Um, yeah you know we'll probably just put uh explicit on ours for this is fuck that's a hard question um get you off guard how about that i was not expecting wrestling stuff today uh, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead with uh, John Moxley. I, I just, I, Ooh, I, I cool. see him winning this one. Yeah. All right. See now. I don't feel. What, I, don't, I, don't, I don't. I don't feel 100 right about it, but that's what my gut's telling me. Here we have it's official. I'm out. See you guys. No, that's it. <laughs> that was it. The final podcast. That's my question. That was everything I had. No. <laughs> to be fair, Jim is an expert at throwing people under the bus, but at least he threw you under the bus with a wrestling question. <laughs> it's it's so rare that I get a wrestling question because I, I like I'm, I'm on Discord and stuff quite a bit, and I've mentioned I'm a wrestling fan all the time, and people just kind of sidestep that little fact. Um, <laughs> So that was a that was a nice that was a nice thing thrown out of the bus. I like I, uh, I like Gleema. Does that count? <laughs> so um, either of you can actually answer this question. This is more for our listeners than yours because apparently, or I guess your listeners probably know what 
Gaul or Gaulish is, if they're listening to your podcast. But for our less informed or more curious listeners, can you kind of do like a brief overview or an umbrella effect to what Gaul or Gaulish is so that we can kind of get the ball rolling a little? You want to take this one, Brenagara? I can give a, a, a brief, vague, uh, but, but here I am. All right. So uh, most people, when they hear the word Celt, think of um, Ireland, Scotland, the UK. So that is Celt. They are insular Celt. They're island Celt. Uh, Gaul is continental Celt. Um, Gaul spanned from um, Germany, places in Germany, all the way to actually Turkey here and there. Um, and it is the Celtic, the various Celtic tribes of the continent of Europe. Yeah, they, um, the uh, tribes uh, range from as far as far as west as Iberia, like Spain and Portugal, to yeah, as far east as uh, Anatolia and Turkey. Um, they were all over the place. Uh, Gaul specifically is the region that is nowadays France, Belgium, uh, Switzerland, Luxembourg, parts of Germany, and Austria. Um, that is the territory that is known as Gaul, but the Celtic tribes were all over Europe. So there's a, a lot of bleed over between uh, various culture groups that, as a heathen, we share <laughs> with the, yeah. uh, the Gaulish folks. There's a lot. Yeah. Uh, there is. Um, a conversation I, I've uh, had recently on Discord where uh, uh, particularly in um, uh, the Belgae region, which is uh, Belgium, uh, and other other tribes that, that bordered with Germany, they're either going to be allies or enemies of the Germanic tribes. And um, either way, they shared a lot of different ideas and there was a lot of influence back and forth between them. Um, like I said, I, I, my reconstruction is mainly focused on the Helvetti tribe, which is like the biggest and most well-known tribe in Switzerland. And uh, in my research, uh, there was a lot of traumatic So there was a lot of bleed over between the two tribe groups, between the Helveti and other other tribes. Yeah, uh, specifically the Cimbri, because uh, uh, when the Cimbrians came down from the Jutland Peninsula, which is Denmark, um, they started picking a fight with Rome, uh, and the Helveti joined them uh, during what is called the Cimbri. War. Uh, I think it was about a 13-year-long war uh, uh, where the, the Helvetian and the, and the Cimbrian tribes um, were uh, very close allies. Which is funny because there's a lot of uh, Roman um, history we have where they mush all the various Gallic and Germanic tribes together <laughs> And they sometimes all oh, these obviously were all Suebe or these were all definitely all, all of them were Helvet, huh? Definitely all the same. <laughs> definitely. That's uh, that's mainly Tacitus who was kind of uh, infamous for doing that. They're gonna he kind of saw them all as the same people. It's worth so, pointing out that I don't think Tacitus actually ever went face to face with any of these culture groups. Just for <laughs> anybody that's reading Tacitus. <laughs> Hmm. which i started i bought i bought his uh his works and i've been thumbing through a little bit and yeah i don't i mean he shows a lot of respect for what he's talking about but i don't think he's actually like seen them firsthand how much of a challenge has it been for you to kind of 
unweave the ties that have been woven together throughout history and separating the different tribes and the different beliefs? Is that something either of you have attempted to explore or? Um... I am not an academic. That I'm is, with you. <laughs> that is not my job. Uh, I am. Um, I'm not. I'm not inclined to the study of trying to pull tribes apart or anything like that. That's that's mm. that's not my my doing. Yeah, I was just I was just curious with what um, Arturo was talking about because it's fascinating, kind of looking at how. Christianity comes into an area and just kind of lumps all of these tribes together into a giant pile and says, yep, that's Celtic or yep, that's Gaulish or yep, that's this or that's that. And then when you actually go back and read the histories of these people, you're like, there's very little that's similar between these two people, but you still kind of lumped them in the same group. Why? Yeah, well, uh, first off, let me start by saying I'm not a scholar or an academic either. I'm just a dude with a military education that is just doing as much research as I can with what little sources I have. Um, but, uh, uh, I mean, for me, I kind of got lucky uh, as far as picking out the different tribes because uh, Rome, um, you know, as a humble move, decided to make a big trophy listing all the names of the Alpine tribes, both Celtic and, uh, and Raytian, uh, all on one big thing, just saying we conquered them and we conquered them and we conquered them. Uh, so it made my job a little bit easier. But uh, for other areas, it's definitely a lot harder. It's like anyone who uh, is trying to map out where these tribes were is going to find it incredibly difficult because you're getting you know, second, sometimes third account information on, on where these play, uh, where these tribes were on the map. Uh, um, I mean, we're lucky to even have names uh, for a lot of these tribes. Um, so it's it's not always easy. Sometimes it is, like in, in my case, where I lucked out because they had a big all, we just fucked all these people over trophy uh, with, uh, with names galore on it. So I was able to work with that. Um, but uh, other places are not so lucky. And uh, then you have, you know, guys like Caesar, Tacitus, kind of like, just don't get all the fine details. And, uh, Tacitus did try, like I said, he did uh, show a lot of respect in his subject matter. Uh, Caesar, not so much. Considering it was Caesar whooping the shit out of these tribes, I can, I can see why. Yeah. Yeah, that was definitely a big dick move to have a big trophy <laughs> uh, having everyone you talked on it. Well, I think too. Correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, but a lot of those tribes, it's not like they were static in one spot either. No, no, they were very migratory, and actually, that's how the uh, the Helvetii kind of stirred shit up at the beginning of the Gallic Wars. Uh, uh, in uh, Caesar's Caesar's testimony, that's essentially what's what started uh, uh, his conquest in the Gaul was the Helvetii tried to migrate out of the Swiss Plateau because they were kept getting hammered by uh, incomplete. Uh, Germanic tribes. At least that's that's my theory. Uh, there's it's not there's no uh, definite reason of why they were trying to migrate. And the, the Roman perspective says that they were trying to uh, invade and conquer the the mainland of Gaul. Um, but uh, you know who knows because they tried. If you know if that's what they wanted to do, there was other there was another route they could have taken where it would have been just straight warfare all the way through. They tried to go 
south, just kind of tiptoe through the top of a freshly conquered uh, uh, Roman territory and then go straight up, uh, which was probably the more peaceful, probably more tedious, but definitely more peaceful route. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, migration is is not just a Celtic, but definitely a Germanic thing. That's how the Cimbrian War started as well, because the, the Cimbrian tribes tried to migrate south as well, and they ended up stepping on Rome's toes. Now, I understand from one of your episodes, too, that every tribe had different gods that they worshipped. So in a Gallic continental tradition, how do you decide what gods that you're working with? So it's we don't know for sure if it's that every tribe had different gods or if it's that every tribe called their gods something else. We have no real way of knowing because there's not a whole lot of written history that is actually, I think, or any, that is actually written by Gauls. Um, they came and went before, the, before Christianity hit Europe, and it means that we don't have a lot of the, the text and the writings and stuff that, like you have in, say, Gaelic or scottish or things like that um so it's it's less that they all have different gods and more like there are names for gods and sometimes they are this they do the same things as a different god and we're not entirely sure if they're the same god or if they're a different god um as for how we choose who to work with i think it for me it's very personal it depends on the deity um like i have um the deities i choose to work with and worship and um, they might be different than somebody else's. Like, I don't think Carl and I have overlap at all. Um, like for me, it's Karanos and Camulus and Epona, um, a little bit with Nentosvelta and, um, Nematona, but otherwise, you know, that's, that's pretty much my, my grouping that I do. Um, and from what I can see that that's a pretty common stroke for all of the, for across the board. Um, as far as all the names, uh, archaeologists have found various uh, inscriptions all over the place, and that's how we get the, uh, I mean, I, I think, I don't think we have an exact number, but somewhere between 300 and 500 gods of Gaul um, that we are aware of. And uh, these, depending on where these inscriptions were found, depend, it kind of tells us which tribes might have worshipped. Epona, um, uh, Sukelos, uh, Karanis, um, were very much more widespread. Their names uh, or, or uh, depictions were all over the place. Uh, uh, Lugus is another one. Um, I think uh, uh, I found is all over like Belgium and, and parts of Switzerland. Um, but the thing is, in like uh, like Brennan say, we don't know exactly which ones are just the same the same deity, just with a different spelling. Um, uh, I know one I found is a uh, uh, Windatus, uh, who's a uh, known as Windonis and uh, over in the next tribe over. Uh, and it's, you're going to find that a lot. It's just a slight spelling because these inscriptions are, you know, they, they range from, uh, uh, you know, the first, second, first, second, third century to probably even older. And you'll notice the writing style changes. You can definitely notice the more uh, Gallo-Roman because you'll see the, um, the Lepontic or Lugano alphabet being used, being used and mixed with um, Roman letters, Greek letters, whereas uh, older ones are going to be straight up um, uh, Lepontic Lugano alphabet. Okay, that makes a lot of sense because that's like one of the names that um, 
Ranagara pointed out was Nematona, was it? Oh, um, Nematona. Nematona. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure how it's pronounced exactly. Uh, I am, uh, I brutalize the pronunciation of everything. I should tell you that now. Um, as far yeah, as I'm right. going, um, I apologize for my barking dog outside. It's all good. Um, but uh, she's the goddess of sacred spaces. That's what I was, because uh, it sounds like a lot of these are Latinized. So that's one of the places I was kind of taking as a jumping off point was with regards to the source material, are you are you folks having to um, kind of like, okay, well, we've got this Latin name. It may not be a Gaulish per se name, but we're just going to lump it. Oh, uh, that does tend to happen. Um, one, uh, I have one article on a, on a God name, uh, Poninus, at least I think that's how it's pronounced. Um, in my research, I found out it is basically 100% Latinized. And they, although there's no, I mean, I think I found an inscription that had a, a more Celtic way to say it, but a more Celtic name or a version of that name would have been Peninos. Um, and, and yeah, you'll, you'll notice uh, names get Latinized a lot. And uh, something uh, Rome loves to do is synchronize, which is saying, hey, this, your God there, he looks, sounds a lot like ours. We're just going to assume they're the same guy. And a lot of times they'll add, their, they'll, they'll mash the names together like Caturix uh, uh, Mars, uh, Matutinus Mercury. Uh, it, you'll, you'll see that kind of stuff a lot. Everybody's um, Jupiter. Yeah, yeah. yeah everyone's everyone's either Jupiter or Mercury. Yeah, everyone's either Jupiter, Mercury, or Mars. It doesn't matter who. Oh, wait, we found a female goddess. That must be Minerva. Has to be. It's got to be either Minerva or Juno. What I what I think is funny is Epona stayed Epona. Yeah, they, yeah. They're all like, wait, she's she rides horses and murders stuff in battle? Yes, we'll keep her. Really, guys? Yeah, that, uh, Epona's really? one of the few that, yeah. <laughs> She's one of the few that they left as is and actually adopted her into the Roman pantheon. Uh, I mean, she sounds pretty badass. You ride in on a horse and destroy <laughs> people. I'd keep her too. She is. Um, my experiences with her have been weird. <laughs> weird. But she's um, she's interesting. So I hate it, to say it, but I think about Zelda every time I hear the name Epona. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I oh, I can't okay. not. Um, we have, I loved that horse so freaking much. <laughs> we have somebody in um, Gall Chat who every time that they hear Epona, they think of a video game, but a, a different video game, but I can't remember which one because I don't play video games. <laughs> um, but uh, But every time they hear it, they're like, this video game. And I'm like, well... All right. <laughs> sure. Whatever works. Whatever, whatever helps you process. <laughs> Look, as long as Epona is fine with it, I'm fine with it. Oh, I, I can't say otherwise. <laughs> Can you like offer carrots to Epona? I, nope. give her oats. <laughs> I actually give her oats. Um, like that. that I, mean, I don't give sense. her like horse oats. I give her oatmeal oats because that's right. what I have. Because um, I don't have horses right now. Uh, so I give her oats. So like her offering right now has oatmeal oats. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of that 
territory oats were a predominant uh crop oh crop yeah thank you words are not my strong suit today um so offering oats is actually very appropriate i think in a lot of like irish celtic and uh, gallic uh, offerings are often like milk honey and oats milk butter honey oats um i also do clean water mm-hmm. uh, because i mean if you think about it like back then they were drinking water out of the ground filtered water it's super clean compared to what they would be used to (laughs) well in realistically they were drinking very very mild beer because the water made them sick terrible (laughs) it was awful i mean there's this thing called dysentery that would happen yeah i didn't know what it was called but you would die because your insides would turn outside yeah no shit so i do my (laughs) devotions are clean water uh a candle um and usually incense yeah. cholera yeah yeah cholera yeah um, no the, the clean water is a great option if i have any on hand i'll do fresh in the summer they get lots of fresh fruit i mean having to haul my own water you know people just do not appreciate tap water like <laughs> tap water in and of itself Given how much energy goes into pumping the water, constructing the pipelines, you know, all, I mean, anybody that's had to look at uh, installing a well or getting the sewer system hooked up, you know, you know how much that costs. And it's not like you're not working all those hours. So I mean, you kind of pay the offering forward. You won't hear a lot of complaint about fluoride if you have to dig your own well. I grew up on well water. <laughs> As did right. I. Yeah, so did I. I'm just thinking to myself, yeah, you know, okay, like the the amount of weirdness just around water is strange because first of all, they'd be like, you just do this little lever and the water comes flowing out and it's clean. This is amazing, right? And then to be told that no, no, that's not good enough. We we have to put some in bottles and ship it over from France to sell it to you. Wait, what? Because French water is different than regular water. It's fancy water. <laughs> <laughs> Perrier, preferred by the Gaulish gods. Have you oh had Perrier? Perrier sucks. <laughs> so gross. It's so bad. So, so, so hang on, hang on. We're living in a blessed time where at least most of us in in the continental U.S. can trust our water to a degree. Unless you live in Michigan. Unless you live in yeah, Michigan. Um. So, like, uh, does the does the offering become unworthy if you put it in a can of, say, sparkling water? <laughs> I, honestly, I'm still upset. We lost. We just lost the Perrier commercials. That's just that's the sponsorship's gone now. You guys, <laughs> <laughs> so, we can get it like, back with the uh, with the sparkling water crowd. Come on now. I feel like it's. Um as long as it's something that's given and in, in with the intention, I don't think it matters, honestly. Um, I've only had one type of offering that I'm pretty sure was not accepted. And that was when I, because a lot of times uh, I will give uh, uh, leftovers because I, uh, I haven't done it in a while, but I, I used to get up a little earlier for work, uh, go out in the fridge, find some, you know, pretty good leftovers. And, and cause I have a little out- outside shrine, uh, 
and I would uh, leave my leftovers there uh, for kind of the, the local, you know, cats and dogs and stuff that like to come over and eat it. Um, one day I left because uh, I just I was late. I was running late for work. I, I wanted to leave an offering, and I was kind of in a panic, so I I, I dropped off some green beans. Um, I, I ended up coming back, back home an hour later because I was vomiting all over the place. Uh, that was the first and only time where I was like, pretty sure, pretty sure RTO did not appreciate the green beans. Actually, that's an excellent segue because this is where the, the metal of reconstruction meets the meat of actually lived practice. Mm Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you figure out a taboo after the fact when you're projectile vomiting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, um, I haven't run across that with offerings yet. I have run across that when I have been doing prayers um, where they just didn't like the prayer I gave them. And so I got a blinding migraine and I was just like, well, this is terrible. I'll never say that again. (laughs) Yeah, you okay, you'll you'll then. know it. You'll know if they don't like something that you give them. Well, it that's that's kind of interesting because I've run into that with uh, a particular Norse deity, uh, Froyer, actually, um, and I didn't know why at first, but I have a very mild allergy to almonds. And I'm also lactose intolerant. So I was drinking almond milk for a very long time, but it kept upsetting my stomach. And occasionally if I drank too much, I would end up with mild, very mild hives and was slightly itchy. And then I found out that Freyer was actually knocking on my door going, hey, I want to talk. You and I need to have a conversation. And then I found out one of his animals that's often associated with him is the bee. And then shortly after that, I found out how harmful almond pollination is to bees. It's so bad. It is so bad. They literally get nothing from pollinating almond trees at all. And beekeepers are begging people to lay off of the almond consumption because it's so harmful to the the hives. And I was like, oh, that makes the sudden almond allergy make a whole lot of sense now. At the risk of upsetting a lot of vegans everywhere, almond milk is disgusting. <laughs> it's <laughs> pretty bad. It's yeah, lost another drink, sponsor. Drink a, a, an, wow. a based milk, it's going to be cashew milk, yeah. and it's amazing. Yeah, we're writing off silk almond milk uh, now. I got to make notes. On yeah. Shit, can we at least keep the oat milk, folks? Come on. Yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely a bigger fan of the oat milk than I am of any nut milk. We'll at all. I don't something. I I don't like the oat milk, but I might try that for a pona. Yeah, go for the, like the yeah, go for the extra creamy because it it's got kind of a richer flavor to it. It's it's very that's, good. That's why I like the um, no, I think soy milk is vile. Um, I, I agree. I, uh, I can't do soy at all. I like the cashew. God damn it! There's another one. Cashew milk is super good. It's got that super rich sort of flavor to it. Mm. Um, And the other one that I will do if I am forced to, because I don't have an option is hazelnut milk. Okay. And it's, it's okay. It's not great, but it'll do. (laughs) In a pinch. pinch, It'll do. (laughs) That actually is a a really cool, uh, that that whole bit we just 
explore it. I really like that because this is really, this isn't just something that's up in your head. This isn't like, oh, well, I'm going to study this particular war and I'll get this insight into this tribe. It's also, this is how I'm living with my gods in real meat space. And these are the actual consequences of my actions. So one of the things that I've learned, so I've been a, I've been a polytheist for 20 years. Um, I was a generically vaguely Gaelic polytheist for a long time because I've been the Morgan's been with me for almost 20 years 15 years 20 years I don't know a long time for a long time um and don't no one strike me down uh until like a year ago I thought Karenonos was an Irish god I was incorrect um (laughs) (laughs) and uh and then I found Gaulish polytheism and that felt was like coming home basically um so the first like four months I had so much information academic information thrown at me I'm I'm ADHD and also slightly dyslexic um and so I am by no means an academic I like history if I'm studying it on my terms I do not like it when they're like here's all this history and I'm like oh that's so boring oh god um I am a big fan of at some point you have to set the book down and live it. Um, and for me, I am more focused on living it than I am on let me reconstruct everything. This is how ritual should be. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just for me, it's, it doesn't, it pushes me further away rather than bringing me closer. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean I won't read articles and things like that, but it's not what my focus is. My focus is okay, now I know these basics. How do I apply them to go with this array of deities that cropped up when I was like, huh, Gaulish polytheism, this is interesting. Here's this weird dream I'm having. And it was Camulus. And I said the same one on repeat, like for months. Um, And so it's, it's just a, you have to put down the books in practice. You have to, or what's the point? Yeah, this is why, some folks will be like, well, isn't reconstructionism as a religion? No, it's a methodology, folks. It's a methodology. Yeah. If you're not living the religion, you're you're essentially LARPing. <laughs> essentially, yeah. Um, and there's nothing wrong with actual LARP. No, I love but, LARP. But, I'm a nerd. But, Yay, you know, nerd. One is not I've the other. I've been 20 years LARPing. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but seriously, don't LARP your religion. It's no. It's not fun. No, it's not. And it makes them mad if you're trying to practice. <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> well, I mentioned with with the the Gallic uh, polytheism, given that there's not a lot of written records or academic stuff to lean on, you have to rely a lot on UPG and exploring new territory. So, how do you how do you incorporate that in, and how do you uh, create? or accept new myths or methodologies that are going to be used possibly in the future by other public, uh, pagans? Um, I'm not the person who builds those. Uh, <laughs> by any means, I know lots of people who do. <laughs> um, and I'll take what I see and I will um, incorporate it into my practice if it fits into my practice. Um, but other than sort of the the outline of these are you know the um oh god what is the word it's not laws it's not rules oh we just did an episode on this virtues 
Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, that was the last time you would hear by like the virtual <laughs> across the various groups of with college polytheists. I generally try and fit the practice to a more modern sort of setting because we are not 2000 years ago. We are modern day and that's going to be so different than the Gaulish person sitting on the banks of the Thames, uh, not the Thames, that's the wrong one, that's in England, uh, the river that I came <laughs> the name of in France that is now completely eluding me and it goes right through like major Not the Lawrence, cities. is it? <laughs> um, my, my point the is I'm, I'm a different person than that person would be. Yes, thank you, the Danubal work. We'll just go with that one. <laughs> um, and so it's a lot of trying to incorporate it and move forward with the practice. Um, and I'll, you know, I, I've got people I'll talk to when I, I'm so sorry for my dog in the background. I'm so it's sorry. Fine. You're good. Don't worry <laughs> it's about a it. dog. You know, it's, we occasionally have cats that visit. Dogs are going to dog. My goblin child is going to go retrieve We've them. had a lot of cat interruptions. But <laughs> yeah, this might be yeah. the first dog. So. I've got well, one no, Jean. Right here. But yeah, she, Jean had a dog that showed up. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yep. You can bring him in here. That's fine. Um, <laughs> he's just, he's my anxious baby and he barks a lot. That's legit. Oh, yeah, so that, that happens. Um, um, but, uh, I, yeah, so I, I try and apply things is what I try and do and then give feedback. Yeah, I, I really agree with that, that idealism, I guess, when it comes to a religion. While it's all well and good to kind of dig in and see what you can find that was traditional back then to kind of get an idea of what you're going to do now. Um, kind of more like guidelines, I guess. Um, because honestly, if my ancestors had access to a Bic to light their fire, they would use the Bic over flint and steel. You know, my religion is very, or I guess my practice is very practical in the sense that, you know, I will kind of lean towards using a bic versus a flint and steel just because it's going to get that fire going faster if i have to use paper in the middle of winter because i'm crazy and like to have fire in you know january when it's what how cold was it that day at the farm sarinth i don't know like 30 degrees outside yeah, it was maybe a, maybe 30 that was awesome maybe, though that was awesome that was a great day but we used paper to light the fire you know mm -hmm. it's it's a very practical way of getting. <gasps> He's Baby. so cute. I love him. For all of the listeners right now, we just had a boxer show up. He's so cute. <laughs> oh I love his face. Oh, squish. So you you broke me. My my train of thought just went. <laughs> I don't know where I was going. So, I mean, getting back on track, this, so this is like where a lot of the metal meets the meat in practice is that it, you can't just live your life by, well, okay, we're going to reconstruct the, the Gallics from this particular area in the Gallic War and go. <laughs> There's not enough information. You actually have to live life. And you can't just, well, I'm going to go live the life of an itinerant Gallic farmer or soldier. We literally don't have the setups for any of that. I would like to go live the life of a Gaulish farmer somewhere, not near a lot of humans. Yeah, that way. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, I'll like be you your said, neighbor uh, like three hills over. My goal over. in life, yeah. not going to lie. Well, like um, you said, another... like, there's, there's, the, 
there's, oh, I'm sorry. Um, there's, yeah, like you said, there, there's, there's no uh, really written account on how they lived, how they practiced. Just uh, um, like for uh, like for me, the Helvetia were in like the uh, the plateau of Switzerland, surrounded by mountains. So, and I lived in uh, a mountainous area for about ten years or so. So I, I was able to relate that way. Like, well, if uh, winter's coming and uh, the snows are already starting to build up on the mountain, like, what would I be doing? So there's an example of how, uh, you know, personal experience uh, tags along with uh, how to reconstruct. Um, so that's I just that's my my two cents on that. Yeah, one of the the things that you mentioned, uh, Brenagara, that really kind of resonates with me is something that you said about what fits into my practice. While it's, it's great to study a religion and study all the practices and everything that goes into it, if it is impractical or doesn't sit well with you, you don't have to follow that portion of the practice. You can honor it by acknowledging its existence and giving it breath in a way through like a picture on your wall. Like most people are not comfortable with living in the woods alone. Most people are more comfortable living in a city around people. So what? Not a big deal. You can have a picture of a tree on your wall to honor the way that those people lived in the forest. You don't have to go live in the forest yourself. It's basically whatever, whatever feels good in your heart, practice that within the practice. Don't feel like you are pigeonholed into this box of you know practice that this person online is telling you you have to follow in order to be an actual gall or a peruvian shaman or a heathen or whatever yeah now now you you know that's bullshit everybody has to find their own world tree (laughs) hey i got mine tattooed on my body motherfucker (laughs) it's with me always see so you know (laughs) no i think that's a legit point though So actually, that brings up a question. Uh, one of our uh, Discord questions was, do any Gaulish figures, feast days, or practices survive through Christianity? And, and is, that, is that what you're building off of? Um, unfortunately, a lot of, uh, when Christianity came to Switzerland, a lot, of, uh, a lot of pagan stuff that was still standing was basically knocked over. There was a, a temple to Poninus in the St. Bernard Pass um, that uh, was actually built by the Romans. So it was nice to have the Romans building a, uh, a temple honoring a Celtic god. But then uh, when Christianity came through, uh, a bunch of uh, looters came by, knocked it down, stole a bunch of crap out of it. And then the, I think the emperor of the Eastern Empire uh, rewarded them for that. So um not a lot has survived, but I think, uh, well, Switzerland's kind of tricky because you had uh, different cultures kind of mixing in because after the after Rome fell, you had the Germanic Alamanni tribe and, and Swabian tribes uh, kind of come in and uh, basically wiped out the Celtic identity. Um, but um, I think some traditions kind of still, um, you know, stayed with it and uh, uh, it became you know, possibly, possibly, it's just a theory I've had right now, just, and it became modern folk, like there's, uh, Switzerland's got all kinds of different uh, folklorist creatures and, uh, and stories that I think, you know, could, could possibly uh, be as old as Gaul, we don't know, that's something I'm going to have to really look into, but I, I, if anything has survived, I think that's 
really the best route it's going to survive is through um, passing into legend and becoming folklore. So y'all aren't the only people thumbing through uh, Claude Lacouteau. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. I had a couple. We had a couple other questions on our server too. If you guys want to, um, this is for Brad Agora. The on your site you mentioned being a worshiper of Anne Morgan and Kathuboda. Yes. Could you talk about your worship for them and how similar or different they are? I know some see them as the same goddess. Okay. Um, so. On Morgan, I have been with, uh, like I said before, for a, a right long time. Um, and Katsubodwa, I've been with for about five or six years, maybe seven. I don't know. Uh, uh, not quite as long. Um, for me, um, I am a, I hate this phrase, hard polytheist. Um, every deity is unique to themselves. Uh, and they are very different beings. Uh, both of them are not gentle. I, I would definitely say not gentle ever, ever. Uh, but the Morgan is more orderly, a little more, this is a terrible word to use, but it's the only one I can think of, civilized feeling. Like uh, my interactions with her have been um she's a lot more patient uh to a point patient to a point uh i did make the mistake of ignoring her for like two years straight and it was just a terrible idea i was having a time don't give me that look <laughs> i'm not living your life it's all good <laughs> that would a rough go. she's um, not my lady uh, much respect to her but she's not mine so she uh She's a, she's, she's more patient. She's more, um, I think she's adapted a little better to modern, modern, modernity. I can't say that word. Um, than Katabodwa has. Katabodwa is like on Morgan on hard mode, um, to put it in a video game phrase. She is just this side ouch, of power. That's what that is. That's um, much. She comes off aggressive and impatient and um, she's very much the kind of devoy uh, that she will absolutely pick you back up, but then she's going to shove you right forward again and tell you to find your balance. Um, oh, this sounds familiar. Yeah, she's, she's difficult at best. <laughs> Uh, my worship is a little more private. I don't discuss that particularly much um, because my relationship with them has been uh, my sole reason to have not died on more than one occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, but needless to say, the two of them are very, very different. Um, I do not prefer one over the over the other also because I like to survive. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> Uh, but they are very different. Uh, and Katsubodwa is where the Morgan will be in your face right here. Katsubodwa will be in your face right here <laughs> with sharp things. Um, she is who I got to experience the feeling of being torn apart by crows. Oh, yeah. Um, 
when I was not catching on fast enough that she in fact was not on Morgan. Um, because for a while there, me being the completely stupid human that I am did not realize that it was a different deity for like a year. Like I just thought, and Morgan was in a bad mood. Uh, <laughs> stupid I didn't human know it was somebody else entirely. <laughs> so it was a fun experience. I don't recommend it. Well, you know, so, um, the analogy that sprang to my mind was while on Morgan is the sword itself, uh, Kathabothwa is the knife's edge of survival. That's a good, it's a good analogy. Yeah. Um, I've, I've always started to be kind of primal. I guess that yes, it's would be very a primal. Yeah, primal was a word I heard, which is, but which is it transferred word, into... Which is but, what I meant when I said and Morgan was more civilized. I couldn't think of the word. Uh, Kachibodwa is primal and Morgan is not. Yeah. Um, she's older. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, can, I can hear that through the way you speak about her. She's definitely a more primal, more wilder side of it and that's where the analogy of she is the knife's edge of survival either you live or die yes and And there is no or no there isn't uh and if she decides you're going to live guess what (laughs) you're gonna fucking live and you're gonna hate it you don't actually get the option to not Mm -hmm. um so she's a she's a rough one to work with and i definitely try not to encourage people who are not experienced in dealing with deities to jump right into bed with Anne Morgan or Katubodwa. I'm like, mm, maybe, maybe start somewhere else. Yeah, maybe start Apona. somewhere a little start nicer. Start with Apona. She's way nicer. Start with something easy like Loki. Easy? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's definitely what I would have said. I'm out. <laughs> All right, Saren's quit. It's just me and Jim now. <laughs> we don't have the serious one anymore, guys. We're in trouble. <laughs> Jesus Christ, this shit again. Uh, you know, honestly, though, I love Loki very deeply. But I depending do. on what aspect of him you get, good fucking luck. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes he's a party god and sometimes he's, I'm going to literally end the world because of grief. Yeah, I am. Um... Yeah. When I first started getting into uh, being pagan and, and learning about polytheism, I started out with the Egyptian deities because, you know, this does sound terrible. Gateway gods. We actually have a theory that the Egyptian gods are the gateway gods. Into they're like, they're like, hold on, let me just hold on to you for a little bit till you figure out where you're going. And I, this is literally what my experience was like. They're like, you're definitely not Christian. Just hang out here. Yeah. Where you're going, <laughs> yeah. And we'll just make sure nothing kills you. Yeah. Uh, no, you're oh good. Oh my God, that's hilarious. <laughs> and then I went with from us. them to the Norse deities because I was like, well, I'm super huge amounts of Russian. Like, <laughs> this seems like a good place enough. for me. <laughs> <laughs> close 
Hi, Odin. on who you listen to, they they are. Uh, the same, no, I've so. never worked with Odin, but my partner uh, is a is a devotee of Odin, and so I have a like nine foot spear in my bedroom. Nice. Um, yes, <laughs> like actual functional spear. Nice. No, you don't need to get it. No, don't ever piss them off, right? Um, but they no, got a I nine foot reach on them. I work with the joint podcast becomes show the weapons, right? Um, <laughs> I worked with Frey and Freya. Um, Here's for mine, that showing for up about here. two years, and um. They also went, you don't actually belong to us, but I'm the closest you're going to figure out right now. So I guess I'm going to hang out with you for a bit. And Freya was both terrifying and lovely to work with. Yep, sounds about right. Um, And I actually still keep an altar to her and Frey and the Egyptian gods because they all babysat me for like two years while I figured out that I belonged to Anne Morgan, who was basically just standing there like... I love polytheism. (sighs) this one is she gonna show up (laughs) yeah well at one point in my path i was a devotee to odin when on morrigan decided to show up and go hey you should hang out with me and odin is like no and she's like fuck you she's gonna hang out with me and i'm like all right you guys figure this shit out because i'm not gonna (laughs) i'm not not getting in the middle of this argument no no you guys have fun I'm going to go sit over here and let me know what you decide. And then on Morgan didn't really give up. She just kind of looked at me and goes, whenever you're ready. Yeah. I'll be over here. That's what I, she's more patient. Mm -hmm. She's more patient. Karen knows has been with me since I was a child. So is Nix. Yeah. Nix. Greek. Nix. 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 Okay. Well, that that's my cat's name. I named her that before I knew about that, Nyx. <laughs> she literally disappears in a dark room. If her eyes are not open, you can't see her at all. Yeah. Um, yes, but well, she's the cutest little primordial darkness. She really she is. Nyx <laughs> uh, was uh, why I was scared of the dark as a child and why I love it as an adult. Hmm. <laughs> Makes sense. And Karenos was just there all the time. I thought he was the... Uh, my neighbor's pet deer. Turns out my neighbor didn't have a pet deer. <laughs> I think we broke Sarah on that one. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and I just in my head, I have Nix, 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 Nix. She's a cool goddess. <laughs> cool goddess. It's a little scary oh, when she's mad, but she's nice. She's real I mean, scary right she's now, mad. but that's all right. I mean, let's be real. Any of our gods are scary when they get pissed. It doesn't matter how sweet and light they are. If you somehow manage to piss a god off, if you're not feeling holy terror, I'm not sure. I've what. done it so many times. <laughs> yeah. Are you even doing it right, bro? <laughs> I mean, but that, I actually kind of want to um, segue into um, one of these other listener questions from that. Um, so when you start figuring some of these things out and the gods kind of bring themselves forward do you find like connection points between the experiences you've had and the lore? Like one of our, our listener questions was on um, do, 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 do. have any Gaulish figures, feast days or practices survive Christianization, but also they had another question about Gaulish star lore. And so like, there's some things that I've turned around years after the fact where I've had this experience of 
I can't even think of the experience offhand right now, but I've had an experience. And then later on, I find out, oh, there's this archaeology that links up this perfectly that I didn't know about years later. For me, less so because I don't read a lot of the, we don't have a lot of lore. So I don't know. Um, <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Sky, stop it. You're not on the podcast. Yes, now. Trying. <laughs> yes, I am. And I'm adorable. We have another dog that showed up and they are beautiful. She's Want a, to squish. She she tries to help with everything. She's my she's my <laughs> helping. She's an underbite. Aww. Your underbite. Oh. So one of the other questions was actually what does Gaulish or Druidism look like? since most of it is based off of Welsh and Irish practices, how how would you differentiate with Gallic Druidism? We're rebuilding it! <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, it's... I see, uh, you know, rebuilding the lore, rebuilding the, the cultures and the tradition as kind of a Druidic, a Gaulish Druidic practice. It, for me personally. Um but yeah, we don't have a whole lot on the on the lore. We, there, I think there's that uh, uh, that mistletoe collecting ritual, which I believe was Gaulish. I'm not sure if that's insular or, or continental. Um, but yeah, like like Ragnar said, we we're we're currently re, re, rebuilding it as we speak. <laughs> Literally, like currently rebuilding it. <laughs> I mean, we don't have we don't have a lot of anything to like in general as Gaulish polytheists we got a whole lot of not a goddamn thing basically um almost everything that we have is based off of archaeological finds um and with druid with druidry we're trying to rebuild it um it's a slow going process um it's going to be a slow going process for a long time because we have to write the cosmology and we have to write the rituals and we have to delve into what does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? Um, and it's, uh, it's kind of, it's in the, it's in the very beginning stages right now. Mm-hmm. Well, so it's actually really fascinating. Sorry, well, go ahead. I was going to say, that's really fascinating in a way though, because like, I'm assuming, is there a group of you that's doing this? Do you all compare notes on UPG? How do you go about actually building this? That's a fascinating question. So there's a few, there's a few Gaulish uh, servers on Discord. Uh, the the main one is uh, Gaul Chat, uh, which is where you know a lot a lot of us get together and share these ideas, kind of uh, you know bounce bounce ideas and theories off of each other. Um, probably one of the most active channels on there is the Gnosis and UPG uh, channel. Um, and, and yeah, we, uh, that's, that's where we get a lot of our information. Like, uh, you know, I've read, I read some things like, oh, that's really interesting. I need to look into that. Um, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's definitely the, the main way right now is through, uh, the, the small handful of discords. Uh, where do a lot of your inspiration for reconstructing, uh, rituals come from are you pulling from other practices or are you just pulling from what feels right in the moment as you set up a ritual for a specific deity um a little bit of a a little bit of b uh i i definitely am very much a go go with your gut type of uh, practitioner when it comes to doing ritual um i will try to do some homework i will try to uh 
see if there is some type of written account, maybe through a, a general, a Roman general that saw something weird. Um, or uh, I, sometimes, you know, like I said, the Helvetia does have a Germanic kind of flair to it. So I'll, I will look at um, not necessarily Norse, but definitely um, uh, continental Germanic practices and see if there's something there that could be drawn from without full-on copy. I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense because a lot of those tribes would have had to interact with each other at some point in any given point in history. So who's to say that a surviving tribe's practices didn't actually belong to the Gaulish practice itself? Um, I think a lot of that would be very difficult. And I'm, I'm very appreciative as well as I'm sure many other people are uh, for the work that you guys are doing within this narrative. Um, how do you, I guess, how do you decide which rituals are the ones that are to keep and which ones are meant to kind of fall to the wayside? Do you create the ritual and then give it to the community and say, tell me what you think about this and get feedback from people? Or is it more of like an intimate group setting where you have uh, a few people working on a specific ritual and then you send them home with it and have them do kind of work and kind of pick and choose like what aspects work and what aspects don't. Um, we'll definitely bring what we did to the community and see what people think and see if there's uh, any advice or hints, not hints, but um, just an outsider opinion on, on what we did. Uh, there are smaller like traditions forming within Gaulish polytheism. Uh, Brennagar and myself are part of uh, uh, Bessus Duo Galation, which is uh, uh, or BNG for short. It's uh, a Gaulish tradition, and probably one of the one of the things that we all do, it's a smaller group of us. And the the one thing we do a lot of is uh, talk about ritual and what would be, um, I guess, appropriate in a modern context. What's something that you know, we, we might have evidence on that uh, is something that is, you know, uh, not feasible in a modern setting, that kind of thing. Um, uh, yeah. Is, is there anything to add to that, Redegara? I'm kind of drawing a blank. No, not really. That, that pretty much answers it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually have a question, and I don't know if you two have discussed it, if you discussed it on any of the, the servers, but I think it's an interesting question because there's so little lore that you're going from, because there's so little that you are reconstructing from, it actually puts you in a unique position of being one of the very few polytheist groups that could be really forward looking and not, not totally marred down by the past. Have you thought about that at all? Where you'd like it to go, how you'd like it to shape the future, how would Gaulic polytheism fit into where humanity needs to go? It is actually something that we do discuss um, off and on in this in our in our Discord servers, um, and it kind of all comes up different ways. Um, like for me, I'd like to see it pushed more towards. Um, um, Ecological, uh, uh, I'm so sorry, uh, ecology conservation. Um, but that's me. I'm a little bit of a, 
eco warrior, so to speak. Hold on one second. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> took my puppy away to go eat dinner. Ah. Because <laughs> that's why she was whining in the background. Gotcha. Um, and like we've we've talked about it, like I know that um Tata Galation would like to do a uh eventually have a nice big chunk of land to for Gaulish polytheists to be able to gather on and, and worship on and tend to and things like that. Um, but we are in a unique position and we are definitely aware of that. And there's definitely a lot of different uh, ways that it could go. And I know it has changed you know, from time to time. I believe uh, Gaul, Gaul Chat was supposed to be a podcast initially, then it just became a discourse. Right? I don't know. I think that's right. I think that's how I heard it. Anyway, but um, yeah, it, it, it's definitely uh, eco conservation. Uh, 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 social justice is another big one that's kind of uh, come up lately is that uh, college polytheists are getting more uh, uh, adamant about uh, and just it's it's it is kind of spreading being getting uh, bigger and, and, and kind of going in those uh, in those really cool directions good good <laughs> if you folks can stave off that horrible infection of racist bullshit before it spreads more we power do to our me, best. Yeah. We're actually pretty. Um, we're pretty upfront about how much it's not accepted and how much it will be get you nice and quick driven out of our community. Oh yeah. Um, uh, unfortunately, there solid zero tolerance policy. Unfortunately, a lot of them have come together on Facebook and formed a, a Facebook group. Which, uh, yeah, that's uh, sadly we can't we can't avoid that cancer either. But we've. We've come together pretty quickly to, to keep it away from the main body of Gaulish Polytheists. I feel that. I do. You know, everybody's got their own version of the AFA walking around being a bunch of dicks. That's so yeah. true. You were going to say something, though, brother. Oh, no, I was just kind of thinking about that a little bit, that, that it's uh, very hard to keep that kind of faction out of the community, and that's just it's just a challenge that we're all dealing with in various places. Um, there's a there's a, a a dumb question on here too. They're they're asking, do you like the Asterisk comics? I don't know. I do, I do. Right. I I've, I've read one or two of them. I've watched the the one live action movie where they go to Egypt. It's hilarious. Uh, I uh, I might there's a. A, an asterisk game on Xbox, uh, I might download here soon. It's, it's actually pretty decent priced. Um, and I think I think Hulu's going to start an asterisk show. I, I think I, I think I read something like that online. I really hope they do because it, it's something I I actually stumbled upon uh, in, in high school. Uh, our French teacher was also a Spanish teacher. I was taking Spanish. And she was using the same room, and she happened to have like a, a handful of asterisk comics. And I was reading them. That was actually one of my first exposures to Gaul, aside from the uh, Rome Total War games. Um, and even though it was in French, I, I could kind of understand the gist of what was going on. It was it's pretty funny. There's a lot of a lot of uh, uh, not really double entendres, but like there's a droid named Getafix, 
because he makes a potion that makes you super strong, and it's that makes me laugh every time. And it was also suggested in our chat that um, Laura O'Brien talks about uh, reconstructing stuff in at the IrishPaganSchool.com, and you guys. Mm -hmm. are, the, uh, the suggestion was there that uh, any that might also be a good place to come up with overlaps in technique if there's anything that you guys are really looking for that was suggested. I am actually enrolled in uh, Laura O'Brien's Irish Pagan School. All right. <laughs> well, how about that? See, we're we're thinking alike. How about this? Well, I'm not allowed to ignore the Gaelic stuff. I follow a Gaelic deity. <laughs> True enough. True enough. Well, I, I know your episodes tend to go about an hour. So is there anything that you wanted to make sure that we talked about? Any questions that you have for us or anything else you'd like to cover? Uh, nothing off the top of my head. I mean, that was a, a huge honor to get asked to be on here. Um, I didn't know you guys had a podcast until we got invited. And I started listening to a couple episodes. There, there are a lot of fun. I, I love... I love what you guys talk about it. Like I said, huge honor to be on. Thank you. Well, thank you. Wait, I'm gonna look up our. I'm gonna look up our um. Our uh, uh, virtue of the month, and then I'm gonna ask you guys about oh, yeah. it. Ooh, Ooh. <laughs> this is good. This is good stuff. Good thinking. Wait a second, good I gotta thing. find it. <laughs> gonna pull up my spreadsheet. I'm a little. I'm a little neurotic. <laughs> when, when, when I when I when I started Gallcast, I was just winging it. Uh, I, I uh, and then like maybe two episodes after I released the episode, um, Renegar comes up and goes, "Hey, uh, do you need a co-host?" For sure, and they immediately just start slamming with spreadsheets and and planning and all this <laughs> scheduling. And I was like, "Wow, way more organized than I." You am. found your gym. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> I um I don't have the um the the depth of knowledge that that Articados has um but I have a loud mouth and a big personality and a neurotic need to organize things. <laughs> and I I need that I need that because my fiance is like it's that very too. helpful sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. I'm actually I'm actually working on starting another podcast that's entirely unrelated to religion. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, I had this idea for a podcast and I was like, let me do all the organization things. <laughs> nice. All right, let me find so our where's it at? Curriculum. Nope. Lot of buses. Is that what I wanted? Do, 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 do. Gotta find it. Sorry, I talked to my computer a lot. It's all good. It's right. got a spirit I, in good it. Friends. There's people that computer. don't. Yeah, right. yeah I, I was gonna say i talked to my computer my machinery my phone my guitar my i'm gonna cover. massively yeah. pronounce this word we're just gonna start that off that, it is, that is also my job so yeah cast in that that it, that theme is i can't pronounce shit yeah i'm bad at my own language much less me too uh, I, I'm, I'm, a, a, I'm a self-proclaimed writer, so I write more than I speak. I do too. I mispronounce <laughs> words in English because I see them written down, but I never hear them. Yeah, yeah. In and my head, there's a certain pronunciation. Out. Took me forever to figure out how to say serendipitous correctly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel that one. Yeah. Yo. All right, so our, 
Our virtue of this month is Erisaxta, which is piety. And um, we believe Erisaxta, where I'm just going to say piety because I'm going to mispronounce it so badly. It's over and over again. (laughs) It's going to make Nellos cry. Um, Is the (laughs) for the greater good of the community or tribe. Piety is necessary for kindred connections within the community. Each tribe has their own love and worship of the Dewey in compliance with them. Each should have the willingness to put in a work to build a relationship and maintain the relationship for oneself. And it is important so that one can be an effective contributing member of the tribe. So share your thoughts. Hey, Jim, you first. You look like you're thinking. No, wait a minute. No, <laughs> um, no, I, I think it's a great approach. Um, I think it's something that's really difficult to understand in modern society. And so it's important that we talk about that as a virtue. So uh, the, the traditions I'm trained in, they're, they're high mountain traditions. They're, they're very localized, small family groups. And you have to approach everything with that, that sense, sense of, humbleness and that wanting to connect to everybody else to to have that good relationship with them and the land because it's a it's a matter of survival you know we the the modern internet troll would not survive ancient times this is you know you cannot go around and and be all ego and brash and and having no Uh, piety or respect for anybody else it just doesn't work and so it's a concept that we really need to re-emphasize in our society and we do see it in some spots but it's um it's hard to recognize it often especially in an age when we're only so connected by electronics as opposed to -to face-to-face especially right now when all we have is electronics Mm -hmm. yeah so um, a quick definition of piety for uh, clarity for some individuals, because I had to look it up because I thought I knew what piety meant. Um, but, <clears throat> excuse me, the quality of being religious or reverent, and then similar is devotion, a belief or a point of view that is accepted with unthinking conventional reverence. Um, having piety within a community uh not necessarily connected to uh religion or deities um to kind of remove spirituality from it to have that unthinking devotion to some somebody or something else is very difficult for our society because it's the the all for one one for all thinking that we were raised with you know you look out for yourself before you look out for anybody else you um, do for yourself before you do for anybody else and to um, and we often go to extremes with that to where uh, we deal with selfish uh, yeah selfishness and arrogance and uh, ignorance often goes hand in hand with arrogance um, we saw it in 2020 with the anti-maskers and the anti-vaxxers if you look at them they did not care about the wider community. They refused to wear a mask to keep others safe because it quote unquote infringed on their freedoms to have that 
arrogance and egotistical mindset, toxic egotistical mindset, because I believe that egotism can be healthy if utilized correctly, um, but that's a different topic. Um, There's a lot of growing we have to do as people. Um, You have to be able to trust yourself well enough within a community in order to connect with them to kind of anticipate needs, but also have the idea of if you're going to offer someone help, give them a list of things that you're going, that you are able to help them with. Because if somebody is struggling and you say thoughts and prayers, I'm here. If you need me, that person who is struggling doesn't know how to ask for help. They don't know what they need in that time. But if you are capable of saying, I can bring you dinner or I can do your laundry or I can clean your house or I can take your kids to work or school or whatever, um, offering up what you are capable of doing in those times of need is in my sense of thinking is a sense of piety towards community because you have that unthinking devotion to support that community, to support the, the spiritual growth of that person or people in general. Um, being able and willing to offer up what it is that you're capable of doing is in my mind, a sense of good piety of having that good sense of understanding of community and how it works. Mm-hmm. You're up, sir. Okay. So as, as a heathen, a lot of this flows directly into how I understand piety as well. Um, so if it's the more sacred of actions for the greater good of community or tribe, it's necessary for kindred connections. Yep, we've got that. Uh, each tribe member has their own love and worship of the Dewey or the Aesir Vanir and Jotnar in our religion. Uh, each should have a willingness to put in the work to build a relationship and maintain that relationship for oneself. Yep. And it's important so that one can be an effective contributing tribe member. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much piety for us, too. Uh, there's, you know, in that regard, I think this cuts across pretty much any polytheism I can think of. Um, it's not just what's good for you because you don't exist in solitude. You are one among a multiple, uh, whether you draw your circles of what constitutes your tribe, very small or very wide, you never act alone and your piety should be towards what is the best and highest good what is you know whether you're looking at this through virtue ethics utilitarianism or whatever your personal philosophy is mm-hmm. you need to be striving towards that for not only yourself but for your god's ancestors your spirits and your community and those are interrelated connections you are building interacting with co-creating with creation itself your piety needs to include what you touch what you taste, what you hear, what you smell, what you feel. It is personal, interpersonal, and interconnected. Um, Piety is a state of mind as well. In addition to the, the other things that have been brought up here, what I allow into my mind, in my worldview, informs my piety. Um, you know, we are not our ancestors, the past gets a, ve- a vote, not a veto. Um, 
the ancestors, while they support us and while they they walk with us and sometimes behind us, kicking and shoving our asses towards what we need to do, I still have to live this life. Experience. A little bit. Um, you know, likewise with the gods in Vatir, you know, uh, I still maintain my own sovereignty and my actions need to be for what is pious towards them and the people that I live with, my family, my loved ones, my tribe. So piety is complex. And I think that uh, not thinking about it is dangerous, that not considering the worldview and where these thoughts lead us to is dangerous because just blindly following, I don't think that's part of your conception of piety or mine. I don't think this anybody that's sitting here part of or listening to this podcast. I don't think that's really a, an active factor. Um, I think that it's, it requires us to really think about ethical considerations. It requires us to think about what is piety in regards to living in relationship with other beings. You know, it's, it's one thing if I consider what is my highest and best good, but when I start expanding that circle of consideration to other people, I think that's where you're going to find a lot of development in what piety is, because if it's no longer about me and my relationships alone, but about us and our, and you take the I out of it, it becomes a we, us, our piety's flavor changes drastically at that point, because it's no longer just what suits me. It might be where I fit in the scheme of things, but it's, how do I hold these relationships well and healthily? So. So for me, um, I agree with pretty much everything all of you have said. Uh, but for me also, we have what's called uh, trugakaria, which is compassion and empathy, which is another one of our virtues. Um, and for me, piety ties so tightly in with compassion and empathy and um, how much you need those to be able to build a community. And to be able to maintain those relationships because if you lack compassion and empathy, you're never going to get anywhere with piety. You're not going to have it um, because to have it, you have to have compassion and empathy. Um, but you also have to know where to draw the line so that you're not overextending yourself. Um, and I think one of the things that when people look at piety and they look at the definitions and they look at the context and how to apply it and how to you know, be pious and all of that, one of the things that is not terribly thought about is in order to be a contributing, productive, healthy member of your tribe, you have to have compassion for yourself. You have to know when, if somebody is hurting and you go to help them and the lashback is so hard that it hurts you to step back. You have to know, yep. I want to go help because my biggest, my biggest one is if somebody needs something, I will give them quite literally my last dollar, the shirt off my back, my, whatever they need, I will just give it to them. It doesn't matter how much it hurts me. I will do it. Um, and so I've had to learn in order to be pious and in order to be able to be a part of the community that I have to know when to pull back. It's hard um, to buy offerings naked. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? It is hard to buy offerings naked. It is. Um, fortunately, I do grow a lot of mine. 
<laughs> Granted, if I go on my front porch naked, I might get arrested. Um, but I do grow a lot of flies. Um, but it's it's if you don't if you don't tie them in together and you don't remember that you have to have your compassion for yourself as well and your own well-being and your own mental health, you're not going to be able to be as pious as you'd like to be and as good of a member of the tribe as you'd like to be. And you also can't give of yourself to the to the devoy to the to the gods as much as you would like to if you're not taking care of yourself yeah if you have nothing left to give what are you going to offer exactly you give everything away what do you have left exactly that's been a hard lesson for me um, oh i me too yep hard that one <laughs> yeah that, 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 Sorry, there was a few four by fours, not clue by fours, four by fours that clocked me. And then a few railroad ties and a few other things. That... A train that got dropped, like, yeah, you know, yeah, no, I, I understand. Yep. Is that train called Jim? Uh, well, Jim, Sarenth, Beth, Sometimes. Uh, my own writing, apparently. When my own NPCs throw me under the fucking bus. That's when I get a little pissed off. I find that when I write my poetry, like I can usually tell if I've uh, stretched myself too thin when I'm like writing my poetry. And I'm like, that's rude. (laughs) (laughs) How dare I write this to myself? I think that uh, something that that came to mind as we were talking, um, you know, piety to one's community also means that I need to be in good working order and as say a human spirit worker that means that all my soul parts you know they might not be squeaky clean but they at least need to be in good functioning order you know i have to maintain the car so i can you know, spiritual keep... wd-40 mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yeah, I still need see, to drive this car <laughs> the, the piety, yeah the piety from the community also goes in the same vein as that if you as a member need to step back and take a break and care for yourself then that community needs to step up and care for you during that process you cannot be the sole caregiver of that community and expect to survive you know if your community looks at you and goes well how dare you back off i needed you then well i needed myself and you need to respect that and be reciprocal to me in in that moment you know and i i may sound angry about this and i'm i'm sorry i mentioned it earlier i've had a difficult fucking week but it it's a thing that i think our communities need to learn about our elders you know you cannot our elders are not vending machines no they're not just like our elders our gods are not vending machines you cannot continue to take from them and expect to not give anything in return if your elder says, I need a bit of time to step back and take a break, you know, thank you for being patient with me. I need some time to myself. You have to respect that space. I've experienced that as, um, as, a, as a witch a lot because I've been a witch for 20 years mm-hmm. um, where I've got new ones that are just like, give me the information, give me the information. I'm like, I haven't slept in two days. Use Google. <laughs> yeah, Google and TikTok well, are your friends right now. No, no, TikTok is not. Burn it. As I'm looking through through here, the, the, some of the other definitions for piety, the one that actually jumps out at me and that I think is what we are all talking about here in our various ways is the, the Cambridge, Cambridge English dictionary. One, the very first meeting they have listed is 
strong belief in a religion that is shown in the way someone lives. Yes. So by default, that virtue asks the question, are you living out the other virtues? And a good 90% this- of the time I am. About 10% <laughs> of the time I'm too busy doing stuff for everybody else. And what I, and it, it also says that that I noticed the way they phrase that it's shown in the way someone lives. It's not dictated. Yes. So it implies that the piety is how you're living your life. It's not a set of hard rules that you're enforcing on other people. Right? No, and that's one of the things that um, that I really like about being just a polytheist is generally we don't encounter that as much unless you're dealing with <clears throat> Christians. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> but uh, you, but you can say part, that four letter word on our podcast. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> uh, I have a very Christian mom. I grew up in a very conservative Christian home and uh, I get real tired of the the push to, well, you have to be Christian. You have to be Christian. You have to be Christian. I'm like, mom, I'm a perfectly good person. Don't get me wrong. I wasn't always <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. I had a rough couple of decades. Yep. Um, I'm almost 40. I know I don't look almost 40. I am almost 40. <laughs> a rough couple of decades. Um, and I'm a good person. And I don't think like, for me, it's like, it gets pushed a lot. Like these are the rules you have to live by. These are the rules you have to live by. And I'm like, no, 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 those aren't, those aren't my rules. Those are the absent God's rules. You live by the absent God's rules. I'm going to live by my God's rules. Yeah. I, I like that, that, that definition that you gave the Cambridge ones, because that's kind of the direction I was going with my definition is that um, we the piety is, you know, our connection to the gods and kind of strengthening that bond with how we treat not only ourselves, but the, our, our tribe, our community around us. Like uh, one of the few Norse gods I, I follow is Tyr. And so I, I'm very good about not, not lying, um, not acting dishonorably. Like I'll joke around, I'll mess around, but it, it's all you know it's all in good fun and i i typically will like you know if i play a practical joke with someone i'll apologize afterwards and just kind of hang out and shit so it, it's finding that honor in little bits of life i'm not going around you know you know uh, you know hail tear hail tear to, to everyone i meet I, it's just the the uh, my personal actions and how i uh and how i um communicate with the people how do i participate with at work with my coworkers. And, and not just here, but just all the day, all the gods that I uh, I follow. It's those little, the little nuances of life that it honors our gods and it honors our community by just, you know, being not, I guess, you know, not being a dick. You got to find that fine line of uh, not being a zealot and not... Uh, and, and not being too much of an introvert where you, where you just want nothing to do with your community. I'm an introvert, but I do try to help out my neighbors. My, my neighborhood actually has a, an app called Neighborhood. And uh, I've, I'm, uh, people, you know, asked uh, for something to help, help car, car firewood or 
you know, help fixing this, help fixing that. And uh, it's something I, I try to participate in that, you know, I'm, I just moved to my community uh, you know, a year or so ago and I don't really know anyone, but I still try to be a helpful part of that community, not just to, not just for the sake of the community, but for the sake of my gods to help out my, you know, my, uh, my area, my tribe, if that makes sense. I think the the important part um, is just sort of a recap for everybody through our wandering definitions between all of us and the, the point that we're all really trying to drive home is how are you actively living your spirituality? How actively are you living your path and how is that action affecting the people around you? Um, you know, we're not talking about pushing your religion on other people we're not talking about judging people for not following the same virtues that you hold as an individual how are you holding yourself to those virtues whether it's looking inward or looking outward to the community how are you using those virtues to support the community around you and help others grow and flourish within their own paths how are you guiding others to the river you know i think i think emily phrased it fairly well paraphrase here in the, in the chat room said that you know it's it's really if you look at christianity and how piety is used sometimes it's more important to actually live it than have the appearance of it so well i uh I want to thank you both for joining us tonight this has really been a lot of fun and um I don't know. I, I, we've had a really good time. How about you? We have. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks for coming on. It's been great. This was a lot of fun. So, thank you so much. Thank you. So anybody that's listening to Around Grandfather Fire, the notes will be show notes. We'll we'll put all the links and stuff in as usual, so you can find their Discord server and everything else that you need to find. Yep. And plug your pluggables, folks. Where can they find your podcast? Oh, you can find our podcast on anywhere that carries a podcast because I got real busy uh, the first like <laughs> week that I was on the podcast. Uh, you can um, find us on gallcast.com. On gallcast.com, you can find all of our social media, our Patreon, uh, as well as the 9,000 different ways you can listen to us. Excellent. Thank you so much yes. for joining us. And um, we're going to have to make sure we do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. I, yeah, for sure. Yes, definitely. Excellent.